0: and gentlemen welcome back to the woody allen retrospective podcast with me your host donald Wanda, and that man simon Red. and before you say anything simon i've got a special introduction i made just for you
1: simon Red, ladies and gentlemen your friendly neighborhood asshole ah a sex bot thank you Straight from Japan. You shouldn't have paid for delivery. I would have helped you out.
0: <laughs> if you missed our last discussion, we actually spoke about... What did we actually speak about, someone? I've already watched... oh, forgotten. A the movie. <laughs> I'll give you another hint. It was w- directed by Woody Allen. We spoke about The Purple Worlds of Cairo. A very there well... you go. Yeah, a very well-loved movie. Back and forth. If you're on YouTube, you can click on the top right-hand corner because I'll put a link to go back to that discussion. But we're moving forward... But guys listening on the podcast who use iOS or Android Apple Stitcher Radio, I want to let you guys know, as well as the YouTube guys know, for this retrospective, we now have a website in development which is woodyallenretro.com. If you go there right now, you'll see the place of you know the recordings and the videos right now. It's gonna be better. But just for the record, guys, the website's coming. We've got a playlist on YouTube, links on the podcast. I'll put everything down in the description. But guys, we heard the feedback and, you know, we're glad that we're just curating all the videos into one place, WoodyAllenRetro.com, as well as the hashtag you can use on Google, hashtag WoodyAllenRetro. And I'm glad we got that sorted and some of you guys have, like, yeah, that's good, glad you guys have done it. So, uh stay tuned and let's see how the development of that site goes. But before we get into the next movie, guys, as usual, we have to. We have to, for you, some of you anal people that might complain, let you know that this is a spoiler discussion, as they all are. We talk about what we like, what we hate, and we talk about it in detail, so we ruin the plot points. Guys, watch the movies before you check out the discussions, because we're going to ruin it, and we want you to get that first-hand experience before we dig into it, and it's much more enjoyable that way. So with all that out of the way, we're going to talk about the next movie. And Simon, if you'd like to introduce it so we can dig it right in. Oh
1: yeah, sure thing. I mean, we're just going to jump right over to the following year after Purple Rose of Cairo, which is 1986. And this movie's called Hannah and Her Sisters. And I got a, a very quick backstory for you. That basically, for those of you wondering, where does this rank in terms of the legacy of Woody Allen's old school filmography? This is usually mentioned right up there with any hole in Manhattan. It's very, very, very highly regarded. So my first time viewing of this was kind of tainted a bit. And I had to watch it twice for this review because um, I was just expecting, a, you know, something along, along those lines, something on that level. And what you're really getting here is is a, is another attempt at a slice of life dissection of the human condition similar to interiors. Yeah. Because once again, you have uh, it's centered around the family sisters, as the title tells you. Mainly Hannah, played by Mia Farrow, as the title character. I believe uh, Lee, played by Barbara Hershey, and Holly, played by Diane Weist. Am I pronouncing that correct? I think that's what. Yeah, yeah, I think so. A lot of actors are coming back from the last film. You know, Purple Rose of Cairo starred. Mia Farrow and Diana Weiss was in there as well as uh, the escort or prostitute. So Woody Allen reusing some of his favorite actors, which is not a bad thing at all. I think Tony Roberts has a small role in this as well. Mm. But it's not a traditional narrative. We're actually following not only the three sisters, but three separate points that are all intertwined basically by Hannah herself. So everybody's kind of linked to her. We have a plot point with her husband, played by Michael Caine. Michael Caine.
0: Michael Caine. Caine. I didn't even know about that joke,
1: by the way. Yeah, 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 sorry. Michael Caine. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he is having sort of a a, a crush on Lee, one of Hannah's sisters. Then also we follow Holly, who's the the troubled sister, and has sort of a midlife crisis coming off of addiction to drugs. And then we follow Woody Allen, who plays Mickey, who's Hannah's first husband. And they had sort of a troubled breakup due to the fact that Mickey was uh, sterile. He couldn't have kids. And then they decide to have Tony Roberts, who once again plays Woody Allen's best friend, which is kind of his staple role in the Woody Allen franchise, the Woody Allen cinematic universe. So he became not only the certificate dad, but at that time, he was also Mickey's partners so they were like partners in business and family which obviously went south they got a divorce and for a brief while hannah tried to set him up with holly so there's that connection going on and after a thanksgiving dinner where the movie opens we basically follow these plot lines on how they develop and where the movie takes us Mm -hmm. but there's much more to it and it's more simple than it sounds when you do a plot summary so i guess That's one of the more skillful things Woody Allen made in this film or was able to achieve, that he made it very everyday. The characters seem very real and the stories seem very real life. If that makes sense, then I think that was the ultimate goal. But this is going to be more of your movie because I'm just going to have mostly criticisms for it. So Hmm. I want to hear how you felt about it because I think you like it a, a bit better than I do.
0: Well, guys, I want to say before we get started, I think we're going to get a lot of hate for this discussion because, like you said in the beginning, this is a very fawned over movie in the Woody Allen filmography. And I'm going to start off by just saying something people are going to hate. <laughs> I could not remember the plot of this movie before we watched it. I, this is not one of the movies, like some of his other ones, I've re-watched over the years. I could not remember what it was about. And when I rewatched watched it, and when I finished, I was like... Oh, now I know why I couldn't remember because Woody Allen does so many of these family, romance, relationship, marriage dramas that it all kind of melded into one kind of movie. I mean, I couldn't name drop and talk about husbands and wives and in TV, he's done so much that I actually couldn't separate this movie on its own. So in Woody, Woody Allen's filmography, that can be kind of... A downside we actually mentioned this on the other one when you make a movie every single year and you use similar story ideas for better or for worse they can melt together or sometimes they can stand out so
1: yeah yeah i mean that's why i held off a, a, a bit about actually going into the thick of the plot with the summary because uh it's actually better to just focus on the trappings which kind of separate this film from the others with the Sister aspect. Yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No. Before we do that, let's talk about the actors because honestly, I think Woody Allen, and actually, not only do I want to talk about the actors, I actually want to speak about some of the making behind the movie because honestly, this is another movie, and I have to say this in general, some of the movie making things behind the scenes of Woody the Allen these movies are actually just as interesting, if not more interesting, as the movie itself, <laughs> especially with this movie because. I didn't know. And actually, I always talk about the Woody Allen Pages Watchers Guide. He did the research. So again, I read a lot of this online and I checked some of it as well just for just to, you know, back up, make sure that this kind of factual. So Michael Caine, Woody Allen spoke about he actually didn't want he didn't actually want an English character in this movie, but he just couldn't find kind of a straight laced American type. I believe he asked, was it Robert De Niro? No, Jack Nicholson. So Jack Nicholson was actually meant to play the main role. He turned it down. Some other, and then he actually said the people he did have on the short list instead of Michael Kane were just too stylized or too sexy. He wanted someone a lot more straight-laced. So he got, he loved Michael Kane Was a big fan. He hired him. Michael Kane was actually the person who who introduced Mia Farrow into his life, which I thought was very interesting as well. And Michael Kane let's focus on his character, his performance in this movie. The reason why I love it is because honestly. I'm not going to say I'm a super fan of Michael Caine, but a lot of the movies I've seen of him, he's always played a very, you know, a strong, assertive gangster or very, this is a character, he's playing a comedic, dramatic role and he shines in that in this movie. He narrates a lot of this movie as well, he narrates his own thoughts, narrates what he's doing, he plays this whimsical slimy character is like you said is in love with one of his uh, wife's sisters and the way he pursues the relationship is one of the best comedy elements as a part we actually like he has to run around a block just to kind of you know make it make it seem like he just bumped into the sister and the way he coerces her and his whole journey through the film is comedic it starts off kind of comedic and then you obviously start off not liking him and the way it resolves it was an interesting character look at him, and I just think as an actor, I think it really helps him having this movie in his performance because it shows a sign of Michael Caine. I don't think we really get to see. I know he's done other comedies. Even this year, he's done that... Uh, I think it's a British remake of The Heist, The Bank Heist, this Old Fellas. Oh, Going
1: Down in Style.
0: Yeah, Going Down the Style, exactly. And I, and I guess that's him trying to be comedic. But this role in particular... I think it stands out for Michael Caine. He was nominated for. I think he won an Oscar for this actual performance in this movie. And I just he won think, an Oscar for this. Yeah. So I just honestly think oh. this is great for Michael Caine. He was fantastic in this movie specifically. He's probably one of the best things in the movie. But I just ask your opinion on Michael Caine before we speak about the others because I think he's great in this movie. Uh, okay.
1: See, I just want to forget about this when I fi- I finished it. I don't want to sound harsh, but um. It's hard for me to just focus on him, and here's the reason why. We always refer to this period in Woody Allen's career as the experimental phase, right? Mm -hmm. He did all these experimental movies back-to-back between 82 and, you know, 86. And this felt like, okay, he felt it was time to revisit uh, the classic setting of very human intellectual characters in Manhattan, right? And to me, the strongest bit of that this film was his own character's storyline, again, dealing with mortality, dealing with death and all that. The, the most famous bits of dialogue that are still lurking around and quoted from this film are all linked to Woody Allen's character narrating and kind of walking the audience through his experiences and his thought process and what he's thinking about And that was so strong that it made everything else in the movie more dull for me, including Michael Caine. Michael Caine was very good. His demeanor and his kind of meek nerdiness reminded me of, at the beginning, of somebody who who, there's more to him. And it was almost kind of ominous or kind of weird. I was like, there's something to you. You can't be that innocent. It reminded me a little bit of his performance from uh, Dressed to Kill, the Brian De Palma movie.
0: Never saw it. But yeah, no, it's uh, cool. Never saw
1: it. I recommend it. He's great in that. He's great in that. My, my Gary performance by Michael Kane. But um, the point is, I thought there would be more to him. But his plot line just evolves around the cliche of he has a crush on Lee, the sister. Then they get into a romantic situation finally after all this lust thing over her. And once they begin the affair, the magic is immediately gone. He realizes he relikes likes his wife. And then the affair is just a pain in the butt and they are both miserable and nobody does anything about it up until Lee moves on. And to me, that wasn't that intriguing. And even though he gave a a good performance, I couldn't really sympathize with it because I thought his character was just kind of pathetic.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was only talking about the character because I want to leave the... I'll talk about the story in a minute, but okay, that's your opinion, which I'll jump on in a bit later. But since you transitioned to Woody Allen... I will tell you, man, this is the biggest, easiest criticism to the movie to me. Okay. Because Woody Allen, Woody Allen, his whole subplot in the movie is a completely different tone. It's great, don't get me wrong, but it feels like an unnecessary addition to the movie. Because <laughs> all the other sisters, and including Michael Caine their story is very encapsulated. They're all intertwining. They're very, the sisters in particular, they're all in each other's lives like Michael Caine. Woody Allen is on the side and he's got a comedy situation. And like you, it's great, but it's so, it's, these these, the family on one side, you know, the the ice cream, Woody Allen, whimsical, religious, philosophical situation on the other side. I'm like, it's like two different movies. It's like he tried to force his comedy movie into this family drama even to my surprise, he had so much material that like, he cut. And I'm like, this is a different movie. You being this television producer who's, who's, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Who's neurotic and not neurotic. He just thinks he's dying every little disease. I forgot there's, uh, there's a word for it, whatever. Hypochondriac? That's it. hypochondriac that? yeah, that's it. Hypo, he's a hypochondriac, neurotic. He's, he's at the height. of Woody Allen Powers. And it is great, dude. Everything he said is right. Every line he says is great. This is the best this is the best material of him addressing his notions against religion, and it keeps on cutting into the movie. And it's, to me, it's like it doesn't fit the tone of the movie. It's great; I'm not gonna deny that. But I'm like, this is such a different tone. If he wasn't, if it wasn't for the fact he was his ex husband, he would. It would just be like he forced his character in here, and I, I think it's a big criticism, even though it's good, which I won't deny. It just doesn't really fit with the movie. They try to tie it in at the end. But even that, even he himself admits he didn't even want that direction for his character. So although it's good, it just doesn't fit the movie. It really doesn't on the story level. But his character's fantastic. His jokes are great. He's done this before. He's always injected this little bit. But this time, for some reason, he's like, this is the movie where I want to put all of these jokes in. Put And it's great. It really is it could have been this own movie. It really could have been own movie, but he That's what it. I thought. Yeah. He falls into this movie with this feature, and I was just like, "Really?" It's just so. Uh, that's my. Crit- it's. It's. Re- I know it's really weird criticism, but I just. I think it kind of stands out like, as a sore thumb, and I just. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know if he thought he, this movie needed that level of laughter or you know levity. Because it doesn't mismatch. Because Michael Caine has got a bit of levity, and the other sisters, like I said, they're all on one level, and Woody Allen's on a completely different level. And he just <laughs> he forces his story in this movie. And I'm just like, dude, why would why did you do that? I mean, it would it, let me play it off as advocate. If you take Woody Allen out of the movie, this is much more closer to interiors than it should be. Woody Allen makes this movie a lot less of an interiors movie. His character, if you take it out, and you've got the sisters and just the Michael Caine thing. And you really have got a very very similar movie to Interiors, which again would be bad. So I don't know if he saw that and put that in, but I'll let you respond to that before we get into the actual sisters as well, because I just I I don't think it meshed well ultimately, but it's fun.
1: Ah, uh, see, there's a there's a lot of things to dissect from a technical perspective that my answer that because basically I think the reason why a lot of people hold this movie in high regard because it's sort of a, a an updated version of a lot of the Woody Allen classics, the soundtrack, you know, uh, using a lot of classical music, Uh, the cinematography. Once again, we're back in New York, Manhattan, and the city is a character again. So there's an actual subplot with one of uh, the romantic interests for Holly, uh, who's uh, an architect, I believe. And he takes her around the city, showing her different buildings. And right there, there's a chance for Woody Allen to insert a bit of his opinions and his love for the city by having long descriptions and long panning shots of the scenery and the different buildings. And the whole thing is updated to the 80s. You know, back in the day, in the 70s versions of his films, New York was a completely different city. In real life, it was also economically challenged. But Woody Allen's New York was way more idealistic then in the 80s Woody Allen's New York is more dirty and gritty and he really zooms in on that aspect. Also you you see him in situations where his character Mickey feels out of touch. He's at a modern rock concert on a date with Holly in a flashback and he just hates it. So there's a lot of that passing of the time, feeling out of touch with New York, being in the 80s. That's a huge element of the film and once again it clashes with the interiors element which is Zooming in on the family and kind of what's going on in, in the characters' heads more so than what's going on on the surface. This movie feels like 50% revisiting interiors and 50% revisiting Manhattan, if that makes sense. And I, I get it why people like that, because both of those are really great Woody Allen movies and amongst my personal favorites as well. Yeah, But to me, it doesn't work when you mush them together. It's like fish soup mixed together with a, a burger. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I can say. To me, the Woody Allen parts were good, but the Michael Caine parts could use more development and something a little bit more interesting. I get it that Woody Allen has a particular style of writing, and that makes all his characters very identifiable like you can see his ideas or his personas reflected even in the Michael Kane character and they make a specific point that Michael Kane's character and Hannah played by Mia Farrow have been together for four years or married for four years when he starts having these um, feelings to have an affair and at this point I think uh, Woody Allen worked with Mia Farrow first in 1982 and here we are four years later and 1986 so i don't know how much of that has to do with reality wow. woody allen always ends up <laughs> in, th- in these situations where people keep calling him out on like <laughs> exactly like he always has to explain like no that's not how, it's not real and, and annie hall is just, just, i based it on dying but it's not based on our relationship and i'm like dude you really make it hard on yourself when you keep casting your best friend as your best friend and your wife as your wife and <laughs> And these small bits of trivia, you know, or calling backs to real life. So I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I'm not sure to go, where to go with this. To me, it lacks impact in that area.
0: Well, I, you can, don't worry. I want you to resp- resp- respond to what I'm saying as well. Because let me get to the other characters as well. Now, the three sisters, Mia Farrow's character, again, I think, I think she's growing as an actress, especially when she's playing this very, I don't want to say mousy character, but she's playing a very devoted wife, a very devoted sister, and as the movie goes on, I mean, there's a one scene at the end I felt really bad for her where they're like, you're just too caring. You're just smothering me. You care so much. And you just see the look on her face. I think she does really good acting in this movie again. I think, yeah. she's, I think she keeps on improving after the Purple Rose of Cairo. And I this. I'm like, wow, she's showing more layers and Woody's giving her different directions. Actually, Woody allowed her to pick which sister she wanted to play. Um, I don't remember why she picked this one, but I think she made a good choice as well, because I think...
1: It was the title character, probably this way.
0: <laughs> I, I guess, but I just think out of the three sisters she could have played, I think she picked the right one. I think we wanted to see, it. even though she did play a vulnerable, vulnerable character, I guess, in Purple was a as well, I actually thought she was really good. And I thought the other sisters, who played Lee, Lee was actually dating some older man. <laughs> And he oh was, yeah,
1: that's a uh, that's another Woody Allen classic. The yeah. old, wise, intellectual, somebody who's usually a college professor. Like the or Midsummer Night's of,
0: Dream, midsummer, the Midsummer yeah, Night's yeah. sex comedy thing. Same thing, Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah, it was somebody
1: it was, of super high intellect who's more of a mentor than a you know boyfriend.
0: You know, he reminded me of you. He had a couple of lines. So I was like, <laughs> "Fuck everybody, I'm not going out." And he was so grumpy. <laughs> I was like, "This is Simon." The, thing, it, the things he said were pretty true. I mean, you know, but it. That relationship between her, that was interesting. They didn't go too much into it, but I thought that was fine. And the other sister, you mentioned the one that had all the issues and the cocaine, and who was just, you know, jumping from one end to the other. Uh, was that the dying Weese character?
1: Yeah, Harley, yeah.
0: Harley, I mean, she, was, she wasn't she was that interesting until the end where her character really had a metamorphosis. So what I'm getting to is the three sisters, and I'm going to draw the parallels to interiors, they had the same kind of introspecting and the, it, the same kind of event journey that the characters interiors had the three sisters they had so much angst towards each other they had you know it was there i enjoyed it more here just because it wasn't just dour like, that Inter- interiors was very one note this one they had a little bit more life to them which is why i enjoyed this version of interiors a bit more and i know that um Uh, was Kerry Fisher was in the movie as a side character she wasn't in the movie long enough for me to give her major props there was a actually there was a lot of actors in this movie like uh, I think Louise Joel Dreyfus, Elaine from Seinfeld she had a small part there was a lot of actors in this movie that have become bigger this was a massive cast and on a whole let me just because I want to put the actors aside Woody Allen great cast I think the cast did really well but again this is a movie with a lot of characters to balance and his character, he falls in his character so much in this movie, it helped the movie needed it and was better for it but I just felt like he actually took the shine away from the movie, especially when Michael Caine was a Woody Allen character as well, so you've got two Woody Allen characters in the movie, I just thought it was I just thought it was I know people love the movie I just think it was a little bit of a mess and although I enjoyed it overall, I still think you could have had two movies from this movie instead of one movie with eight characters but apart from that because I want to just sh- criticise shit on the movie the cinematography is fantastic as usual pretty good you see a lot of you know a lot of the interiors of these houses these places where they go plays art museums even the movie is actually shot in Mia Farrow's house the actual main scene of yeah that's her real house where she's married to Michael Keane that's Mia Farrow's real house which is really interesting and the movie looks gorgeous. Just like you said, this movie is Manhattan. that not Okay, Manhattan's a lot more higher production, but there's a lot of beauty from Manhattan that's in this movie. And it, it looks great on a whole. The sound, there's a soundtrack to this movie. Very good soundtrack as well. You mentioned it before, the classical music, the same with the jazz, it's all here. And again, I don't want to spend an hour on this movie because me and you have criticized it a lot. And I do like, I think this is a better version of Interiors no. Because it's not Wrong. just that one. No, because honestly, it covers everything Interiors does with the family drama. You nope. get to see a lot of introspective, but it has a lot of comedy. It has a lot more vibrance to it with the Allens in the movie <laughs> this time. So it's like, hey, this is, this is Interiors on steroids. But I think I, it's a bit I of a miss. I disagree. Mess. No, you could. I disagree. You tell me what's up. Well, why is this not? And obviously, this is actually um, praised a bit more than interiors, anyway. But what do you think of that? Why do you think this is interiors is better than
1: this? Well, one thing interiors has over this is uh, Diane Keaton for one. <laughs> of like, course. How, how, of how are you gonna make a movie called Hannah and, How are you gonna make a movie called Hannah and her sisters and not cast Diane Keaton? I'm like, this was your opportunity. There you go. Do it. No. She's not in the movie. So that that's number one. Number two... Do it! Just do it! That's what you said. <laughs> Just do it! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you, Shia Buff. Thank you. But, yeah, it sticks to his guns. It's supposed to be a dramatic movie dealing with a serious subject matter. And that's what it does. It sets the tone right, the acting is consistent, and you have the pace and the room to really focus on the characters and their development and the more introspective elements of the story. Here, because you have all these plot lines wish together, you don't have time for that. You're rushing through the movie, and even the end result doesn't feel satisfying. Mm. And Diane Keenan's character in Interiors has all the Woody Allen introspective thoughts about, you know, death and end and what what does it mean to be alive and what's the legacy of an artist her character goes through that so you didn't need to insert another character played by Woody Allen just for that element we here you have that but one of the big flaws is that Woody Allen's character barely interacts with every, anybody yeah yeah you only, only right. see him interacting with Mia Farrow in a flashback and after that he's on his own yes. like him and Michael Caine never talk and I'm like, you were married to the same woman. Maybe if you guys would have a dialogue, we would understand how, you know, Mia Farrow, who's prepped up to look, you know, beautiful, be a great wife. She's a very sympathetic character. She carries it well. And everybody's criticism of her is like, you too, you're two, too giving. I'm like, that makes every other character in a movie seem like an immediate asshole. I'm like, what, what kind of criticism is that? She's too giving. And even if I... Keep an open mind and try to level like, OK, it can be overbearing, have to deal with somebody who who can love so strong, but then be kind of hard to approach. Michael Caine says it's hard to be around somebody who gives so much and needs so little in return. But I'm like, that's a tough concept to sell. You really need to show how this impacts his life on a daily basis. Otherwise, he just sounds like he's just a whiny little bitch. Yeah. yeah. And Woody Allen's character, who's prepped up to be whiny, you know, he would have been great to say, see, I went through the same thing with her. This is where we went south. But that, like I said, it's a disconnected movie. That whole thing is about fertility and and their relationship going south because his friend, played by Tony Roberts, gets involved as the absurdic dad. And that never gets developed enough where maybe it was cut from the film. And then Woody Allen's on his own. Yeah. So to me it, it it's not as good because the tone isn't as consistent yeah. and while I really enjoyed the beginning of the movie where you had all the great musical bits where every character had its own theme and it was very dynamic and the way Mickey played by Woody Allen, was introduced in the studio with one great joke after the other that was all great but that after a while we spend a lot of time with Michael Kane and his BS you know affair that's just pathetic we spend a lot of time with Woody on narrating, which every time it gets interesting, we cut to another character. So to me, the movie doesn't work as well. And I prefer interiors by a long shot. Mm. And yeah, the ending is disappointing because everybody gets their closure except Hannah because she never she never realizes what went on in the background mm. and she never finds out about the affair.
0: That's a good point. And let me talk about the ending as well because... Um... I never thought about that, and you're right. The ending does wrap up a lot of the character storylines, but it does leave Hannah in a... It, 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 now that you brought that up, that does actually make me feel very bad for her. You know what I mean? And um, Woody Allen didn't actually want to write that ending for his character. That very, very... It was it was sweet. It was a very, very sweet ending. Had a little twist with the infertility thing, and he ended up with the seceding like in the beginning. I thought it was really nice, really sweet... But when I found out that that wasn't what Woody Allen wanted to do, he actually wanted to make it more grim, but I think he did film that ending and that idea, and he said it didn't actually match. And he actually said the Interiors did that. I think he actually did say, your film like Interiors did end on a dour tone, but it actually made sense. It was more consistent in that way, and he couldn't pull it off here, so he decided to take it the other way.
1: What was the original ending he intended?
0: Uh, we'll talk about it off mic, because I don't exactly remember, but I just remember it was very unresolved. I don't think he ended up having a brain tumor or anything like that, but he just, I just think he ended up alone or whatever, whatever. But either way, I think he made the right decision. Ultimately, the fans loved it. And even though he said genuinely people love this movie, he still doesn't like the ending per se. And again, that's the, the conflict of an artist still, you know, got to serve in your fans and stuff like that. But I will go back and say this in the beginning. I think guys, if you're a big Woody Allen fan, you listen to me and Simon, we just don't love the movie As much as the rest. I don't think it's one of Woody Allen's best. I think it's a good movie. Without a doubt. This is a good movie. It's not in my top 10. He's done movies like this before. He's going to do more again. And I'm sure we'll mention this movie as we speak about the other ones. And I'm a little bit perplexed with the number 3 spot this has got. I really am because... I mean there's, there's, it's a good movie I just don't know why it's number three in in the grand scheme of Woody Allen's filmography when I just think it's a good movie but you know I don't know it is what it is um, I'm glad that mean you kind of discussed it and even though I liked it more than you I still I was still glad to hear your criticism and I think they're valid I actually don't think except for thinking it's better than the TV, again that's a Again, that's a personal preference thing, which I understand. But again, you know, it is what it is. We don't have to agree, guys. And I always say that on the reviews. I actually like it when we don't agree. And I'm sure we're going to get a lot of flack for this one.
1: Yeah, who cares? I'm right. You're wrong. That's the, that's <laughs> the end.
0: <laughs> who cares about the fans? They're,
1: you don't know shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Let's keep it on of applause for that.
1: <laughs> what can I say? I mean, to me... Probably the biggest flaw is the ending for me because I get it what Woody Allen's trying to do. He did this in The Purple Rose of Cairo, that he doesn't want to give you the Hollywood ending. He wants to give you a realistic, real-life ending where in real life, just because he had an affair doesn't mean that there's this great revelation in your life. Most of the time, it doesn't work out. You go back to your partner, and if it stays a secret, then life just goes on like nothing happened, which is exactly what ha- happens in the movie. But to me, if you want to cash in that check, if you want to leave it unresolved, Hannah never finds out, and Michael Caine just goes like, well, I guess I like her better than I thought I did, you really need to follow it up. You really need to zoom in on that storyline and really show What happens to the characters next? You can't just cut it off and just call it a day. Because if you want to be ultra-realistic, you got to be ultra-realistic with everything. And that's where The Clash comes in, where Woody Allen has this very fairytale-like storyline where he goes on this journey because he thinks he's sick, very introspective. And then he figures out that Holly, who he dated many years before, is the one for her just because they bump into each other again. And suddenly sparks fly. Yeah, when they just bump into each other uh, in New York, which is not a big place, by the way, not many people live there, from what I hear. <laughs> and they just happen to bump into each other, and then sparks fly. That's a di- in direct contrast with the style of filmmaking he's exercising for the Michael King storyline, which is very real, mm-hmm. very down to earth, kind of bitter. And then you have this fairy tale on the other end of it. It just doesn't work for me. And you really feel bad for Hannah's character. And that never really gets addressed or resolved.
0: Yeah, and her sister's shitting on her, by the way. When her sister's all attacked her at the end, I, I didn't think that was very nice as well. Especially, you know, her... you know I, she, When her and Holly had the argument, I give you money, I support all the time. And she's like, yeah, that's about me. I thought that was very unjust. And it's like you said, I don't really feel Hannah ever gets her... I don't want to say... I don't. I don't really think anyone. Knows. Justice. Yeah, justice. That's the perfect word because I don't think anyone appreciates her. I don't think it's like you said. I don't. The the yeah. It's funny. it's called Hannah and sisters because the movie kind of focuses on everyone else. Savannah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: She's just a glue tying the storylines together. And and you know I, I get that's the part of ultra realistic filmmaking where you you know people like that who are in a family situation where they're the anchor for everybody and never get the credit for it. And I yeah. and I get it but that's why a movie like interiors is is better for me cuz that is very well aware of what it is and what it wants to do and how it wants to accomplish that
0: mm.
1: where here it just seems a bit a bit lost you know the narrative gets lost we're not sure about the tone and then on one hand you have this character whose storyline feels very incomplete because it's supposed to reflect the imperfect nature of real life but then you have all these other storylines that just keep wrapping up and everybody gets their little internal monologue of how they completed their character arc and you care less about it because you're like oh well, let's get back to the character who's actually likable a bit fuck Michael Kane
0: yeah well ultimately it doesn't matter what we think because this movie has won two Oscars awards it's again as we said in the beginning it's the number three in the like the top the top ten list of all the Woody Allen top ten lists I could find. People love it, adore it.
1: Not mine.
0: IMDb Rotten Tomatoes, is are uh, nines and tens. I would actually like to, I don't know if this was loved so much at the time, maybe now people need to watch it again, because I, I think this movie is flawed in a lot of ways, but again, as I said a million times before you crucify us, I think it's still a good movie and I think Simon still says it's good just not as good as his favourite movie of all interiors.
1: Well, not my favourite movie at all, but um it's just a revisiting of stuff that was done better. It was a revisiting of late 70s Woody Allen, you know, yeah. you know, post Annie Hall, like between 77 and 80. It's revisiting that era of six years later, and it's just not as good for me. So, I like I think you hit it on uh, the nail on the head when you said it should have been two movies. I think that would have worked better.
0: Uh, one thing I didn't mention: Woody Allen did say he wanted to make this into like a book type of movie because he was inspired by the movie Anna Katarina, I think it's called. And he actually, you know, he chaptered every part of the movie. You know, you get oh, the podcast yeah. with the chapter.
1: I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. I think this movie is very influential though, not just because of some of the soundtrack choices that became staples after that. Like you hear these classical pieces inserted into films after this movie all the time up until today, but also Tarantino's whole style of, writing and how he does it in his films comes directly from here if you think about you know reservoir dogs with mm. the characters names being titled all the time as for each chapter as like not only a start of a new chapter but introduction to a new character that's the opening of this film where you have uh all the different characters being introduced in a different chapter and you see the the title come up like the hypochondriac the sister in between or something like that
0: yeah and i just for the record again I actually loved seeing Woody Allen in the TV network environment. I actually, I actually <laughs> yeah. wanted a movie of Woody Allen in that. He's so neurotic, and everyone talking at him. And I, I actually think it's a shame he never did the movie. If I can remember, I don't think he's ever did the movie in the TV network environment because I think. Is prime for his type of comedy and because he's a sound comedian as well. I think it's a, I don't know why he never did it again. I might be wrong because I can't remember all his movies right now, but I'm sure he never did one in a TV network environment. When I just saw that, but I was like, I want to see this character's life, I want to see this movie. I think I really wanted that movie separate from this movie, but still, again, it is what it is. So I don't want to go on and on about the movie, guys. There was so much behind the scenes material on this movie again i said that some of the behind the scenes stuff of woody allen making these movies are just as interesting if not more interesting than the movies themselves so again i'm gonna give a shout out to the woody allen's watches guide check out this movie in the woody allen's watches guide and all the stuff this fellow put into the book it's really good get it on amazon kindle i'll put a link in the description it's really good stuff really cheap so we're gonna wrap up there, Simon, because we have just going on a forty-minute recording on Hannah and the Sisters, and we didn't say it was the greatest movie of all time. People hate us right now, and it it is what it is, guys. Opinions, don't forget opinions. I'm not scared of the people, Simon. I know you think I am, but I just want to pull it out there. I am very aware this is so loved, and you know. But guys, I really hope you see the criticism, and maybe you agree, maybe disagree, maybe you brought light to things you never thought of, because some of the things Simon said actually made the movie more interesting. And it might make it more interesting on another viewing because I would watch this movie again. Anything else to say, Sam, before we get out out of here? No, no, no. I I think we said what we needed to say. We did. So guys, don't forget to leave us a comment on the iTunes ranking on the podcast. Give us a like on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel. Don't forget... All links in the description. And again, we got the website woodyislandretro.com for all the other discussions we've covered because we're diving in on Woody Allen. We're coming to the, well, the late 80s now. We're getting to the 90s. We're going to catch up sooner or later. Go to the website to check out all the other re- recordings. And again, I will thank my buddy Simon Ralph for joining me on this one.
1: Yeah, let's watch a different movie yet, though. I'm <laughs> ready to move on.
0: Guys, click the invitation on the screen to check out the other videos we do here on Planet Tyro. And until then, we'll see you on the next recording.